Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I am your host, Terence M. Stanton. It's a pleasure to be with you. And we are continuing to work through the Fatima Crusader, which is available from the Fatima Center at Fatima.org. This is issue number 128, the winter 2021-2022 edition. And today we will be looking at the article entitled The Errors of Russia by Andrew M. Sasanik. So let's get into it. During the July 13, 1917 apparition at Fatima, Our Lady said in part, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world causing wars and persecutions of the church. Some people make the outlandish claim that Russia has converted, often pointing to the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989 to uphold their false assertion that the consecration of Russia is done. This claim is patently preposterous and easily refuted by anyone who knows what the errors of Russia entail. The most obvious error of Russia is atheistic communism, which it has yet to renounce. In fact, Lenin's entombed body remains on display in Moscow's Red Square. But communism is by no means the only error of Russia. As Christopher Ferrara explains in False Friends of Fatima, the errors of Russia also include the errors of Freemasonry, from which communism was born, Zionism, and many others. The First Error of Russia Vladimir the Great of Kiev brought Christianity to Russia in AD 988 and linked Russia to Constantinople. Russia split away from the Catholic Church with the rest of the Orthodox in the Great Schism of 1054. This is the first and primary error of Russia. It is appropriate to call it an error of Russia, specifically because, while the East often drifted into schism, they repeatedly reunited with Rome. The Eastern Orthodox tradition includes acceptance of the Pope's primacy, not so for Russian Orthodoxy. There were attempts at reconciliation, most notably at the Council of Florence in 1449, when Constantinople did acknowledge the supreme authority of the Pope. However, the Patriarch of Moscow refused to accept this council. This kept the Russian Orthodox in schism. Thus, when the schism could have been ended, Russia perpetuated the error that denies the authority of the Vicar of Christ. Sadly, the East-West reconciliation did not endure. The Pope was unable to muster Christian armies to save the East, primarily because Christian England and France were involved in the Hundred Years' War, and Spain was struggling to expel the Moors from its homeland. Thus, Constantinople fell to the Ottoman Turks in 1453, and the schism has endured. In 1472, Ivan III of Russia married Sophia, a niece of the last Byzantine emperor, Constantine XI, and referred to himself as Tsar, Emperor. In 1547, Ivan IV, the Terrible, called himself Tsar of all Rus. In 1589, the Metropolitanate of Moscow was granted independent status by the Patriarchate of Constantinople and became the Patriarchate of Moscow. The stage was set for Moscow to consider itself a third Rome. In 1811, as if to cement that idea, the Kazan Cathedral in St. Petersburg was completed, The architect modeled the building on St. Peter's Basilica. In 1876, the Kazan demonstration, the first political workers' demonstration in Russia, took place in front of that church. In 
this event was a direct antecedent to the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917, establishing another Rome outside the place where St. Peter and St. Paul were martyred is never a good idea. The seeds for the Great Schism may have been planted in A.D. 330, when Constantine the Great moved his capital to Constantinople. This city was soon called the New Rome, or Second Rome, with Rome having fallen in A.D. 476. Constantinople became a center of political and ecclesial power. The patriarchs of Constantinople felt themselves to be equal to the Pope in Rome, and invented the myth that St. Andrew was their founder. Caesaropapism. The Byzantine emperors considered themselves to be superior to the Pope, and illegitimately ascribed to themselves the power to nominate and dispose, and depose, the Bishop of Rome. Several of Constantinople's emperors and patriarchs repeatedly led the East into schism. For example, Patriarch Sergius induced Pope Honorius to accept heresy, and Emperor Constans II imprisoned, publicly humiliated, and banished Pope St. Martin I. The completion of the Hagia Sophia may have marked a culmination in the heresy known as Caesaropapism, for upon its completion in A.D. 537, Emperor Justinian exclaimed, Solomon, I have outdone you. Whenever state authorities are considered to have authority over the church as regards doctrinal, liturgical, moral, or ecclesial matters, the ancient heresy of Caesaropapism is at work. This includes so-called separation of church and state, as it results in the state trumping the church when it so wills. It also includes the state-controlled church, as exists in Russia. The denial of Christ's universal and social kingship is the quintessential hallmark of Caesaropapism. Today we see this in every nation. Who can deny that this era of Russia blankets the face of the earth? The Frankfurt School spreads Russia's errors. During the 20th century, the errors of Russia were propagated throughout the West. Instrumental in this effort was the Institute for Social Research, ISR, a communist think tank. Founded in 1923 in Germany, the ISR was initially funded by the Communist International, Comintern. In subsequent decades, the ISR was bankrolled by many of the groups and organizations which support globalization, depopulation, and the New World Order, which effectively consists of a tyrannical oligarchy controlling every government, all international finance, and promoting one creedless religion, ecumenical toleration. Among the founders of the ISR, popularly known as the Frankfurt School, were George Lukacs, Herbert Marcuse, and Theodore Adorno. These men truly had diabolically perverse minds, yet the world has touted them as expert sociologists, psychologists, and sexologists. These men realized that communism, as an economic and political system, was severely limited. It simply could not achieve world dominance. Their evil genius recognized that what was needed was a cultural Marxism to permeate every facet of society. Thus, they set out to influence governments, mass media, popular culture, the arts, educational systems, and the family, the basic unit of society. Only when every element in society became Marxist in principle, even if not in name, could their illusory man-made paradise without God cover the face of the earth. Therefore, the Frankfurt School spearheaded a revolution based on culture, morality, and religion. They strove to destroy traditional secular values and religious standards so as to create a vacuum that would be filled by an atheistic, materialistic, and secular worldview. 
Using Hegel's dialectic, they created conflict between groups, convincing large swaths of people that they were oppressed and needed to rebel against the establishment. Favoring all kinds of perversion, Herbert Marcuse included homosexuals, lesbians, and transsexuals as oppressed groups. Adding George Lukacs' radical sex education produced cultural Marxism, more commonly known in the West as multiculturalism. The Frankfurt School further intensified this cultural revolution by including Theodore Adorno's notion that Christianity, capitalism, and the traditional family values all originate in and foster racism. According to them, anyone who admires or embraces Western civilization, i.e. Christendom, or even upholds America's traditional moral values and institutions, is racist. They go so far as to claim that since racism is inherent to America's traditional culture, then everyone raised in the traditions of God, family, patriotism, gun ownership, or free markets is in need of psychological help. To achieve cultural Marxism, the Frankfurt School first sought to infiltrate institutions of higher learning and co-opt academicians. Ideas shape the future, and academic thinkers regularly forge the ideas which influenced society a couple of generations later. Next, they targeted the arts, music, art, literature, architecture, etc., all use the ideal of beauty to elevate man's soul to God. But if the chosen ideal is devoid of beauty, which speaks to man's soul existing beyond the material, then men will only focus on the natural goods of this earth and forget their spiritual end. As the Frankfurt School saw it, the purpose of modern art, literature, and music must be to destroy the uplifting potential of art, literature, and music, so that man, bereft of his connection to the divine, sees his only creative option to be political revolt. Perhaps most importantly, the Frankfurt School sought to infiltrate all forms of media, i.e. newspapers, radio, television, movies, and later, the internet. When their leaders arrived in the United States in the 1930s, they found a society ripe for cultural Marxism. But before World War II, their influence was mostly limited to academia and radio. However, in the 15 years after the war, America saw the domination of family life by the radio and television shaped by the Frankfurt School, it being a period of political turmoil. Perhaps the most significant of the Frankfurt School's successes was the shaping of the electronic media of radio and television into the powerful instruments of social control which they represent today. In other words, shaping public opinion. Especially today, the mass media, smartphones always within reach, and a myriad of addictive social media platforms are used to manipulate the population to brainwash the people into uncritically accepting whatever the powers that be want them to believe. This is true of virtually every controversial issue in the public spotlight in recent years, especially regarding COVID-19 and political elections. The technique of mass media and advertising developed by the Frankfurt School now effectively controls American political campaigning. Campaigns are no longer based on political programs, but actually on alienation. Petty gripes and irrational fears are identified. Issues that will determine the future of our civilization are scrupulously reduced to photo opportunities and audio bites, where the dramatic effect is maximized and the idea content is zero. The 1960s counterculture, perversion and attacks against the family. The cultural situation in the 1960s was fully exploited by the Frankfurt School to advance Marxism. 
In fact, the founding document of the 1960s counterculture was Marcuse's Eros and Civilization, originally published in 1955 and funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. But the counterculture of the 1960s entailed even more than a revolution of free love, which destabilized the basic unit of society, the family. Over time, it led to all the sorts of general moral decay and the perversions and movements seen in the decades to follow, and especially today. Drug addiction, pornography, prostitution, contraception, abortion, feminism, emasculation, and effeminacy of men, homosexuality, pedophilia, and now transgenderism. Bestiality is next. These perversions are ultimately all the result of the Frankfurt School's efforts to create a new barbarism. Why was the Frankfurt School so intent on liberating the sensual side of man? Because by encouraging lust, the Marxist knows that man's intellect is darkened and he succumbs to his baser instincts. Man is then far more easily manipulated, brainwashed, and controlled. Moreover, man's passions can only be controlled internally by virtue or externally by force. Thus, a lustful society tends towards greater irrationality and violence. The Marxist can turn can in turn more easily seize dictatorial power under the false guise of protecting safety, health, and the common good. Understand this well. All these moral perversions, vigorously advocated by Marxists and globally rampant today, stand at the forefront of the errors of Russia. Russia's errors, political correctness, and related movements. The Frankfurt School and its adherents also propagate the corresponding errors of political correctness, critical theory, wokeism, and cancel culture. In essence, these Marxist-inspired movements are forms of psychological bullying, imposing on society a uniform way of thinking by all people. They are the psychopolitical battering rams by which Frankfurt School disciples such as the ACLU are forcing Americans to submit to and to obey the will and the way of the left. Political correctness is a diabolical idea in which people must not only be non-judgmental, but must also embrace the new moral absolutes, diversity, choice, sensitivity, sexual orientation, and tolerance. Its purpose is the imposition of uniformity in thought, speech, and behavior. Critical theory rejects the idea that the rules of existing society are natural and inevitable. Instead, it insists that people must be allowed to enjoy full freedom in regard to thought and ideas, and that the enlightened individual be free from societal norms, but that the enlightened mind be properly controlled. Wokeism seeks to silence all who disagree with the Marxist four primary principles, anti-white racism disguised as social justice, rejection of traditional morality by promoting sexually deviant lifestyles, e.g. homosexuality and transgenderism, environmentalism based on the notion that it is possible and desirable to stop climate change, and intense hostility toward Christianity, which they accuse of being patriarchal, intolerant, and oppressive. Similarly, cancel culture is a form of exclusion or censorship in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether online, on social media, or in person, and is said to have been canceled. Cancel culture constitutes a form of boycotting or shunning an individual who is deemed to have broken the rules by acting or speaking in a disagreeable manner, i.e., one who is not politically correct. 
Another element of cancel culture is labeling anything originating in Western civilization as unenlightened, discriminatory, and evil. Hence, not only should it not be studied and preserved, but all the related historical truths and cultural traditions ought to be actively destroyed, i.e. canceled. All of these tools were used by the Bolsheviks in the Russian Revolution. They have repeatedly and consistently been employed by every group that embraces Marxism. Today, they have simply been repackaged and updated for modern man. The terms may be new and innovative, but they represent the same methods of intimidation and control so deftly used by Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, and Castro. Now they're at the beck and call of nearly every global leader, including the ruling elite within the Vatican. Communists have met all their goals for the United States. In 1958, Cleon Skousen, a former FBI agent, published a book, The Naked Communist, which stated 45 goals of the communists for taking over the United States. These included, one, grant official recognition of communist China. Steps toward recognition were initiated in 1972 by President Nixon, and in 1978, President Carter announced the United States' formal recognition of the Communist People's Republic of China and severance of diplomatic relations with non-communist Taiwan. Two, promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. Even recent popes have made such assertions. Three, get control of the schools. Public schools openly teach communism and Marxism, and now free schooling is being extended by four years two pre-kindergarten, and two community college years to further brainwash the younger generation with Marxist indoctrination. Four, infiltrate the press. The press is obsessed with promoting the cancel culture so indispensable for the survival of communism. Have you read George Orwell's 1945 novel, Animal Farm, recently? Five, discredit Western culture. Critical race theory attacks all that is good and our forefathers' civilization. All forms of Western artistic expression are degraded. Modern art is intentionally ugly and devoid of beauty. Laws governing obscenity are systematically eliminated so that now even public parades are saturated with obscenity. Six, infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Ex-Cardinal Theodore McCarrick and Father James Martin are quintessential examples. Seven, eliminate prayer in the schools on the basis that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. This was done decades ago in the 1970s. Eight, present transgenderism, homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Dominate the psychiatric profession. Homosexuality and transgenderism have been delisted as disorders. Pedophilia will be next. Number nine, Discredit the family as an institution. Gender-specific words, for instance, wife, mother, and husband, father, are being eliminated and replaced by gender-neutral terms. 10. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of their parents. Child daycare centers and all-day, year, public schools do that, and when the children are at home, they're glued to smartphones, video games, music, and social media that undermine the family. We are living in Fatima time. The Frankfurt School has promoted the errors of Russia precisely in order to enable communism to take over nations. People don't think of these as errors of Russia, but they are necessary tools used by Marxist atheism 
to promote its agenda. Thus, the communists have essentially taken over the United States and Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, without firing a shot. In a 1946 interview with Professor William Walsh, Sister Lucia stated that communism would take over the world, including the United States, if Russia were not consecrated first. Her prediction has undeniably come true. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Andrew Sasonic is a writer, editor, and researcher for the Fatima Center. He has a master's degree in electrical and computer engineering from the University of Massachusetts. He left a successful career as a software engineer in 2000 to dedicate himself to Our Lady's Apostolate. He has studied the Fatima message extensively, becoming an expert on Fatima research material. Let us conclude by honoring Our Lady of Fatima and St. Joseph. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tua mulieribus, and benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Prayer of St. Louis de Montfort Hail Joseph the Just, wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father of Jesus Christ, Pray for us sinners and obtain divine wisdom for us from God, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Virgo potens, ora per nobis, Sancti Yosef Terodimonem, ora per nobis. Thank you very kindly for listening to episode 80 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I am your host, Terence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know, and share the rosary with everyone you know, too. Pray it with your family. Pray it with your friends. It is the prayer of the gospel. It is the weapon for these times. And in the immortal words of St. Padre Pio, pray, hope, and don't worry. Goodbye, and God love you.